Hey guys, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Beth and Katie, founders of Pre-PA Clinic, and we are so happy you are here. If you are pre-PA, then you are in the right place, and we are so excited to help you get accepted to PA school. One myth out there is that you have to be a perfect candidate to get accepted to PA school, and we are here to tell you it is simply not true. We have years of experience working at PA schools, reviewing CASPA applications, deciding who to interview, and deciding who to accept, and guess what? You can absolutely get accepted to PA school without perfect stats. And we are here to show you exactly how to apply to PA school the right way so you can get accepted. You have probably heard about our application to acceptance course, also known as A to A course, and have seen the testimonials from all the applicants that have been accepted because of this course. A to A is invaluable for showing you how to pick the right PA schools that value your strengths and are more willing to overlook weaknesses, creating your strongest application that stands out to programs so that they are really excited to interview you, deep diving into each and every part of your CASPA application to make sure you are highlighting yourself the right way, how to answer interview questions so you crush your interview, and so much more. We literally walk you through creating your strongest, most competitive application. So if you haven't joined A to A yet, definitely get in and let's put together your most outstanding PA school application. We are so excited to see you in the private A to A group and can't wait to hear which PA schools you land interviews at and where you decide to attend. Sign up in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. So today I want to talk to you about an update we just got from the NCCPA. The NCCPA does statistical profiles and gives an annual report of certified PAs and it's just filled with really, really interesting information and statistics about the PA profession. So this is the report that just came out. Um, All the data was from 2021 and some of it's just super interesting. And so I would really love to talk to you guys about a little bit about this for all of your pre-PAs, PA students, or even those who are just becoming PAs, certified PAs, because it's just really interesting to figure out where PAs are working, et cetera. So one of the interesting statistics I found from this is that they said over 5% of certified PAs have completed either a postgraduate residency or a fellowship. And this is really interesting. I did a postgraduate fellowship, but at that time, you know, not many people were doing them. But right now they say about 5.2% of certified PAs have actually completed one. So that's really interesting. I wonder if that's going to increase in the future or not. Of these postgraduate residency slash fellowships, 23 0.6% were in emergency medicine and 15% were in general surgery. So super interesting. So if you're interested in general surgery or emergency medicine, you might consider if a postgraduate residency or fellowship is right for you. They also mentioned that about almost 22% of PAs self-disclosed that they are working in medically underserved or health professional shortage areas. Again, this is really amazing because one thing we talk about as a PA profession is, hey, we can help bridge that gap and we can help you know, underserved populations, rural areas, et cetera. And this shows that we're actually doing that. So almost 22% of us are working in medically underserved or health professional shortage areas. So again, really, really exciting for the PA profession. And I, that's one reason I think it continues to grow because we continue to just show our value and show our use. So the two specialty areas that are experiencing the greatest growth compared to other areas was family medicine, at over 2% increase, and psychiatry at 0.6% increase. So those are the two areas in specialties and PAs that are growing the most, which again, I'm not sure I would have picked out those two areas, but it's super interesting. I actually have quite a few former students who've gone into psych, and I think in telemedicine too um, is pretty popular in psych as well. So if you're interested in telemedicine and psychiatric medicine, um, that could be a good fit for you. 
They've seen a tremendous increase in the use of telemedicine, which over 33% of PAs use telemedicine in their practice. That is huge. One third of PAs say they use telemedicine somehow in their practice. And most of them report using it for video conferencing for patients, for treating or diagnosing or follow-up. So for example, someone has hypertension, you put them on medication, you can do a follow-up via telemedicine conference. Again, this can help increase access to care, especially for those areas where maybe people live far away from care and it's quite a burden for them to come to the doctor's office and the PA's office um, every so often. If it's just a checkup, things like this, telemedicine can be really, really helpful in that. So I think that's really interesting that over a third of you guys, so you can kind of Maybe expect that in your practice. So we talk about burnout when it comes to PA students a lot, and it is real, but it's also real in the PA profession. No matter how much you like your job, there's a lot of pressure, right? There's pressure from your insurance company, there's pressure from your job, there's pressure from your patients. It can be long and grueling hours, and sometimes we can experience burnout as well. And according to this data, there are PAs that experience burnout, and the PAs working in community health centers reported the highest level of burnout symptoms and which is really interesting and really concerning right because community health centers often provide care to people who cannot get it any other way provide easy to access care and so it's really important even as a pa to consider what am i doing to combat burnout I would have thought something like the ER or critical care where things are a little bit uh, sometimes really acute, patients are really, really sick. But I wonder if the reason they don't experience as much burnout is because of the time off, right? So typically ER does shifts. So anywhere I've seen anywhere from like 10 to 12, sometimes 14 shifts a month is full time. And a lot of the hospitalist PAs I know work seven on, seven off. So even though they do work long 12-hour shifts, it can be pretty tough to be in the hospital for that long. They do get kind of a week break. So maybe that contributes to decreased levels of burnout in those PAs. Nevertheless, you have to figure out how you are able to de-stress and to combat burnout. One good thing that came out of this is a statistic that 70% of PAs report that they are completely or mostly satisfied with their current job. I don't know about you, but if you talk to your friends, I doubt you 70% of your friends are happy or completely satisfied with their job. So that's a good statistic too that just shows that PAs are really enjoying what they do. 70, over 70% of them, 70.5 to be exactly percent, are completely or mostly satisfied with their current job, which is quite amazing. Healthcare can be tiring sometimes. It can be rewarding, but it's also very stressful. So the fact that the vast majority of PAs are satisfied is a good indication that it's an amazing career. Here's a few other fun facts that you guys might enjoy about the PA profession. All right, as of December 31st, 2021, there are 158,470 certified PAs, which is amazing. So if you are a PA, you're one of 158,470. In 2021, there are 48 certified PAs per 100,000 people in the U.S., in 2017, there were 48 certified PAs for 100,000 people in the US. But back in 2017, there were only 37 PAs per 100,000 population. So that just shows how fast this profession is growing. ArcPA estimates the number of PA programs should reach about 317 by 2024. So by next year, you might have 317 PA programs to choose from, which is an exciting thing if you're a current pre-PA student. So something else I wanna talk about is states, right? So let's go over some of the top five states ranked by the number of certified PAs. So just the total number of PAs that are certified in each state. Number five, Florida. Number four is Texas. 
Number three, Pennsylvania, and that one kind of surprised me. These other ones obviously are big states. Number two, California, and number one, New York. So that's just the number of PAs that are in those states. All right, let's rank it by population, however. The top five states ranked by PA per 100,000 people. Number five, North Carolina. Number four is New York, so it made the list again. Number three is Connecticut, small state, but lots of PAs. Number two is Pennsylvania, that also made both these lists. And number one, guys, can you guess? It is Alaska. So Alaska has the most PAs per 100,000 people. All right, the last statistic I really wanna share with you today is the top five states that experienced the largest percent growth in the number of PAs in the last few years. Number five, Arkansas. Number four is New Jersey. Number three is Indiana. Number two is Mississippi. And number one, drum roll, is Rhode Island. So if you are a PA in any of those states or you wanna work in any of those states, that's really exciting because they've experienced the largest growth. There's tons more tips here and tons more information about salary and about specialty and all this type of things, languages PA spoke, where they work, et cetera. But I just wanted to give you this overview of some of the most fun statistics I found. And I think these are really applicable to you, whether you're a pre-PA student, a PA student, or a certified PA already. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so grateful to be a part of your path to getting accepted to PA school. We want to make sure you've heard about our new personal statement creation writing package, where we meet you on Zoom to write your personal statement with you. Remember, your personal statement is one of the most important parts of your entire PA school application. It must be convincing, professional, passionate, and truly demonstrate your desire to be a PA. It must be excellent. The personal statement alone can take an average or even less than average application from the maybe pile or the no pile to a yes, let's definitely interview this candidate. If you aren't sure what to write about, what experiences to include, if you should explain weaknesses and how, or overall just how to make your personal statement outstanding, then definitely check out our personal statement creation writing package. We meet you on Zoom for 90 minutes and write your personal statement with you, even if you haven't written a single word. Check it out in the episode notes. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you at the next episode.